morning I encourage you to join me in Romans chapter number 8, verse number 26 and 27. That's where we're going to camp for a little while now. And it's a topic I think that uh, we can we can sympathize with, maybe we could understand well, it has to do with weakness. Our paragraph that we will look at today in 26 and 27 is the fact that we are secured even in our weakness. Now the Lord has secured us in so many things, and that's what this chapter is talking about. The security we have as a believer in Christ, He has secured us from our past, we found that in the first four verses, how we are no longer condemned because of Christ Jesus. Uh, we've talked about our minds in verse number five, and so we've talked about our lives. We've talked about, um, let's see, what else have we talked about here? Our, our uh, relationship with God, we've seen that as well. And then we spent this whole last time from verse uh, 18, really verse 19, on through verse 25, talking about our future. And now today we're going to talk more about uh, things that pertain to us and how the Lord secures us, and it's secured in our weakness. I think you'll find it very encouraging. Verse 26, in the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, two things are mentioned in these verses that I just kind of uh, notice, and they stand out to you as well, I'm sure. There is the word pray in verse 26, and the word intercede in verse number 27. Those are both related terms relating to his work on our behalf. And I think we're going to learn an awful lot about the Holy Spirit in these couple of verses. So let's ask for the Lord's direction as we study this and uh, dig into verse number 26 today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Again, we are so privileged to have it. Thank you for this passage before us, how you come right down to the level where we're at and meet us exactly at the place we need it. And I pray today, Lord, that... Uh, not only do we gain understanding in our passage, but also we, we gain some more strength, some more encouragement, uh, some more assurance that you indeed are the one who has secured us in every single aspect of our lives. Thank you for the difference you make because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice in this passage and ask you again to help us understand it better. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, as I started to look at this verse, in the same way the Spirit also helps with our weakness, I was kind of stopped with a couple of thoughts. Just as I began to overview and think through the words that were in front of us, it says, in the same way. Now, that has to refer to something, doesn't it? And it makes you think, well, what same way? What, what, what happened before that this is related to it? Because in the same way, the Spirit helps our weakness. I thought, well, that's a curious road to go down. And the second one was, also, is also in that phrase. The Spirit, uh, in the same way, 
the Spirit also. And I said, in addition to who? If it's also, is it that there's somebody else involved here? Or is it just another way that the Spirit has helped us, or is helping us, as if something prior to this spoke of his help as well? So I started with a ton of curiosity. And I started to look at those little words and, and trying to figure out, okay, I know the word prayer is big. I know the word interceding is big. I really like to understand this word about groanings too deep for words. That intrigues me. But the little words caught my attention. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Now, our context had to do with our hope. From verse number 24 and 25, we saw our hope there. But in that context, it also was speaking about our future. And if you remember, the comparison in those passages from 19 to 25 is that we are not yet what we shall be. We are still in these frames, right? We're still in these bodies. And these bodies groan. You ever hear it? Aha. Uh-huh. Your spirit, your, your, it says we groan. Why are we groaning? Just because it's aches and pains, we need more Advil, or what is that? It's because we live on a world that we're limited. We are. We're limited because we need sleep, we need food, we need, you know, something to keep us up, something to keep us moving. We need all kinds of help in order to get by, and still the body is wearing down. And we know that's all true. And yet, there's a a future for us here, because it spoke of our future, that someday this will be changed. Someday we're going to be with Him. Someday our bodies will be redeemed. We will be what we're waiting for eagerly will come about. And that's when we will realize the difference of what He's designed us to be. When we step into glory, what a great thing that's going to be. We'll be knowing the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, we look forward to that. In the meantime, weakness is what we understand. That's where we are. And I think that's the link that we're going to put together between the previous paragraph and this one here. He, in the same way the Spirit helps our weakness. This is our weakness what we are going through now. We groan. That's part of our weakness. We wait because we do not have it yet. That's part of our weakness. Uh, All creation is groaning, verse 22 says, and it's it's groaning together uh, until now. We, We understand that that's part of the design too until we are what we should be. Uh, The Holy Spirit is groaning. Do you know that? Well, there's a lot of groaning in this passage. Verse 26 says he does. It says he, he is groaning with uh, things too deep for words. By the way, it is the same word. What creation is doing, what we are doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing. They're all the same word, and we're going to get into that study a little bit in the future here yet. But I want to start with just the first line of verse 26. All right? In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. Now, I believe strongly in the importance of context, meaning what goes before it and what comes after it is important to understand what it says. We don't just lift it out and walk around with it and say, oh, that's all there is to it. 
you know, there's depth to the word when we start digging into the context all the way around it. And this is a, is a fascinating verse. It's not a random verse. Paul didn't just suddenly think, oh, by the way, let me throw that in here too. It's not like that at all. Uh, but what the Holy Spirit does for us has been the context of the whole chapter. If you go on our website and you scan into the sermon section, uh, that's where we have a library of all the sermons that, well, I've spoken and several others have spoken uh, for the last six years. They're all on there. I mean, it'll keep you busy if you wanted that, or help you sleep at night, whatever the case might be, just pop one on. But uh, those, those, that list of sermons there, they're all under categories. And I give them titles and categories, so if you're interested in one theme or another theme, you could, you know, poke on one of the categories and see all the sermons listed under it. This is under the category of the studies of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We've been studying Him for quite a while. We've been in Galatians chapter 5, and that was a big, long study of the work of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 is a long study on the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we are in this chapter. Though we're talking about a lot of great things that keep us secure, it is because of Him that we are. Let me show you what we've seen so far. Just a simple picture that this isn't random to bring Him up now, as if He's helping us now suddenly. In verse number 2, verse number 2 the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. He set you free. The Holy Spirit, in relation to that condemnation that we no longer have, the Spirit that sets you free. In verse number 4, He gives us the ability to walk in relation to the fulfillment of the requirements of the law. How many of us are great at being holy? He accomplishes what we cannot do. He does it. And we couldn't do it, but the Spirit can. And He actually fulfills all that the law calls for because Christ died. Christ died to condemn sin. Verse number 3 is kind of an interesting verse. What the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. The law was weak. It operated by the flesh. It could not meet the requirements of holiness, but the Holy Spirit could. The Holy Spirit could. And he's applied this to us. This law, this is what God did. He provided for us. Verse number 5, it talked about the mind. The mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. That's contrasted to what comes from the flesh. The flesh brings death and hostility and stubbornness and resistance to the law of God and the inability to even subject itself to the law. Verse number 6, verse number 7, all add that information. By the way, if you operate by the flesh, you cannot please God. Doesn't it say that in verse number 8? Now, what difference does it make that the Holy Spirit dwells in you? The mindset on the Spirit is life and it's peace. You're lacking it? 
Wondering where it went? Probably operating by the flesh. Because the Spirit is the one who gives life and peace. You won't find it in the flesh. You can't accomplish it in the flesh. The Spirit accomplishes that. He's been helping you all this time. Do you know that? He's been doing that, which you could not do. It says in verse number 9, He dwells in you. Therefore you belong to Christ. And it has results. Verse number 10, That though the body is dead due to sin, your spirit is alive. Now that's pretty interesting. The body... Here, hold this thought. It's key to the passage. The body is dead due to sin. Haven't we just been talking about the body in the last passage? The body needs redeemed. The body groans. The body's limited. The body's in weakness. The body's dead due to sin. Because of the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, your spirit is alive. You see a difference? Verse number 11. Here's something important too. Since the Holy Spirit lives in you, He, the same one who raised Jesus from the dead. Now, does that take some power? Think of that. The same one who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and will give life to that mortal body. He can do it. He's proven it. But He's in you. That's a great study. So, let's start applying it, as Paul has done here in verse 12 through 13. Living by the Spirit is the only way of putting to death the deeds of the body. You can't do that on your own. But we have an obligation. It comes with an obligation that we do so. Put away the the deeds of the body by living by the Spirit. Because He alone has the ability to conquer sin. He applies the truth of the death and burial and resurrection of Christ. He applies the truth of God's redemption of us and God's adoption of us. He applies it to our lives and He gives us the power to conquer. Because He's in you right now. He wants with you right now. Too many times, folks, really, it's honest, too many times, Excuses are given for those who will not or cannot conquer persistent sin. Excuses. I just can't do it. I just can't overcome it. I just can't do it. Back in the third grade, my two of my children, Carrie and, and Josh, were in third grade at a Christian school. Mrs. Peoples was the teacher. She had a rule in her classroom. You were not allowed to use the word can't. She enforced it. You were not allowed to use the word can't. You couldn't ever start the phrase, I can't, in her classroom. I wish you were here right now and teaching us. Because so many times you say, I can't. Now, there is truth in those two words. Because we can not do it. But to say that that is the excuse why I continue in my sin, why I continue persistently walking by things that are not right. The Holy Spirit lives in you. Does that make a difference? You, you see, you can't. That is true. 
You've tried. Your flesh is weak. You have no firm footing. You, you have no strength. You, you fight against the chains and the iron bars and the, and the things that hold you captive. There is no victory in the flesh. But there is victory over the flesh. And there is victory through the Spirit. And that's the whole point of this passage. We have an obligation to live by the Spirit. We have to. That's our victory, folks. That's why he's here. Has he not been helping you? See, all the way through this passage, it's been talking about his help. He identifies us in verse 14 through 18 as the children of God. He's proven that by the way he has led us. He's given to us the spirit of adoption rather than the spirit of fear, verse 15 says. He testifies with our spirit that we are belonging to God. We are His children. This is key to the whole chapter. I like verse 16. I underlined it. It is key to the whole chapter. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. He guides you because you are God's child. He strengthens you because you are God's child. He protects you because you are God's child. He teaches you because you are God's child. He secures you because you are God's child. He corrects you because you are God's child. He wants you. Have you ever been wanted? You know what a womp is? I knew it many times. It's that hand to the back of the head that goes boom. Like that. When you know you've done something really dumb. Somebody helps you to remember it's dumb. I call it a womp. You call it whatever you want. Does God chastise those whom he loves? Oh, yes, he does. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God. And he loves you. And he won't let you continue down that road to sin. He lovingly wumps you. I know it's not in my theology book either. But I know the feeling. He is always testifying that you are God's child. Regardless of where you stand right now in that fellowship with Him. He will not quit testifying that you are God's child. I think that's sweet. Quite honestly. I've had people come into me struggling with something and honestly feeling that uh, somehow... God is so angry with them, he's walked away. And they feel miserable where they are. They feel frustrated where they are. They feel convicted where they are. And I stop them right there, I say, perfect. That's proof you're God's child. Because he convicts those he loves. He corrects those he loves. That's his, that's his way of showing you. He's testifying that you are indeed... A child of God. Now, what's the main point for today? Life in these bodies is hard. It's hard. Sometimes you might feel like it's been 108 degrees outside in that flower that you planted last week. It looks pretty bad, doesn't it? You feel just like that sometimes? Life is difficult. We have strain. We have the the Unfortunately, the progress of declining health, 
declining energy. We know the pains of diseases. If we haven't had them ourselves, we know those who have. We compensate with things, of course. We change our lifestyle. We might use medications. But we realize we live in perishable bodies. That's the truth of Scripture. We wake up every morning with that same body. There it is. I want you to mark something in your thinking. Physical weakness. We know it, don't we? Physical weakness. We also know the frustration, the the embarrassment, and the results of sin. We know that too well. We know the unquenchable thirst of the flesh. We know the intense pull of temptation. We know the merciless assault of a conscience that has been marked against, assaulted in one way or another. We know the heaviness of guilt. We know the destruction that comes in the wake of sin, don't we? We all know that, don't we? So let's mark this. Spiritual weakness. We know the failings of good intentions to walk right or better. We, we spend more time to read God's Word, and then when we don't, we feel bad about that, don't we? Sometimes to spend more time in prayer, and we don't do it. We feel bad about that, don't we? How often do we say the wrong things? Or even do the very things that are contrary to what we ought to do as believers? We've been there. We kick ourselves for being cowards and not speaking up when we should. We kick ourselves for speaking up when we shouldn't. (laughs) We've been all the way around the the gamut of this, haven't we? Sometimes we open our mouth and say unchristian things. We wonder why the lessons we learn on Sunday have no application on a Monday. What happened? Why does it work in church and it doesn't work on the job? Why doesn't it seem to fit the home? Why why are we frustrated like that? Here's another weakness. The weakness to carry it through. We know that one, don't we? We know that the future is not in our control. We cannot predict the next month, much less what will happen in the next year, and even less, we can't see behind the veil that we call death an experience we have not had. And we like to control things, don't we? We like to plan for things, especially the future. But there is no device, there is no formula, there is no portfolio that prevents sudden death. We have a weakness of controlling the future. Now, have I convinced you that there might be a weakness represented in this room? It could be physical, it could be spiritual, it could be just in the application of getting things through. It could be in what's standing before us and what we need to do. There's all kinds of weakness represented. And that's probably just skirting off the top of the surface there. But the reality is, we have weakness. That's what the verse says. Our weakness. We have it. And in the context, I think it is centered around our bodies and our limitations that we know now. 
I think that's where our weakness lies. A limitation. Now, here's something I find very interesting. Usually, we consider this weakness to be that we have little power. Or we have little strength. Or little, uh, maybe just a little bit left in the tank, but not much. <laughs> we call that weakness. We say, well, it's just enough to get by, I think. That's kind of a weakness. When I, when I was a teenager, rode with my sister, a few years older than I, uh, we'd ride in the car places at times, and, and it always made me nervous to look over and see the gas gauge, the needle pointing at E. And I always would bring that up, and I'd say, look, the gas gauge says E, and she says, E stands for enough. That never seemed to satisfy me, though. But that's what she would say. E meant enough. And I wonder how many times do we operate just that way. Even though our needle is pointing to E, we say, well, it's enough. And we somehow plow harder, put up with a few things. We call it a minor limitation, perhaps. But we try real hard to overcome it. Maybe another cup of coffee will do. You ready for this? The word weakness means no strength. Not little strength. No strength. It's a powerful little word. No strength. Sometimes they define it as just a, a moral frailty, a disease, an infirmity, a sickness, a weakness. We see the word weakness in our text. But the Greek word means no strength. No strength. The tank is empty. No strength. The power is gone. No strength. The condition is hopeless. The future is hopeless. It's over. As far as that is concerned, it doesn't move. You put the key in it, but it makes no sound. You hit the switch, but there's no light. Nothing. Unresponsive incapable, I don't know how many other ways I could say it, but I think you get the idea. The idea. It's finished. It's done. There's no strength. None. Now, I wish we could see the practicality of such a word like this. Sometimes I go on with false impressions that somehow because of skill or because of luck, if they use the word luck, or the wherewithal that I, I manufacture, I can take that next step on my own. I can plow through. I can do one more thing. But we literally have a strengthlessness in our physical being. If God withholds the next heartbeat, what comes of you? You're through. These bodies are constantly and continually dependent upon God for every breath, every second. It's reality. But we operate like it's up to us. But He's the one who gives us our life and our being. We have a strengthlessness when it comes to our spiritual being as well. 
we are fully aware that it is by God's grace that we are His children. How much did you contribute? Nothing. That is true. We have been forgiven. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That wasn't earned, was it? That was given to us. We have the remedy for sin and for the frustration I've been speaking of this morning. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And we are in the process of being conformed to the image of Christ. It is not our doing. It is not our doing. We are constantly and continually dependent upon God in every aspect of our spiritual activity and security. He does it all. We rest in Him. That's what we're called to do. We have a strengthlessness when it comes to our spiritual walk. We fail at prayer, and we know it. We fail at Bible discipline and study, we know that. We fail at understanding it, we fail at applying it, we fail at our responsibilities, we fail at our trustworthiness, we fail at our, our progress. We fail on so many levels. And even in the Christian walk, we are constantly and continually dependent upon God for every single step in the Christian walk. Why? Because we're strengthless, folks. Physically we are. Spiritually we are. Christian walk, spiritual walk, we are. I want to do this with you this morning, and if you're starting to get discouraged, let me encourage you. I seek to impress you with the preciousness of the verse in front of us. The verse says, in the same way, the Spirit... Holy Spirit also, as He does everything else for us, by the way, He helps our weakness. He knows why we have no strength. He knows when we have no strength. And He helps our weakness. Do you know what I like very much about God's Word? It's how He just simply says things. He says, I know that you're dust. Straightforward. You wake up feeling like dirt in the morning? Guess what? You are. He knows we're dust. He says, okay, I know that. And he doesn't say, now, fix it. He doesn't do that. He says, let me be your help. Let me be your help. Let's talk about the word help. This literally surprised me when I pulled up this word help. Because I, I looked at it, and I, I'll tell you what it says. All right? It's sun antilambanomai. Very impressive, isn't it? It's a big, big word. Lots of letters to that. That's just a handful of words all stuck together. The Apostle Paul had this habit. Well, it's this desire, at least. Anyway, if he didn't know the right word to match the context, he made one up. And sometimes he'd take a piece of this word and a piece of that word and a piece of this word and just shove them all together and say, there it is. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, this is the word like that. Three parts to it. Soon is the first word. It means in union with. Right? Companionship. Soon. It's together. Anti is the second one, which normally we say against. When we say, you know, it's an 
anti-depressant. It goes against depression or something like that. But it also means instead of. Like the Antichrist wants to be Christ instead of Christ. Right? Matter of fact, in Scripture, anti more is used as instead of than against. So instead of. I pull that word out here. And then I see the word lombotomai, which means to take something, to hold it, to grab it. All right? Grabbed it. Lombotomai. You've got it. All right. Now, here's the word. Putting it together is beautiful. It's really quite beautiful. The Holy Spirit takes what we cannot do. He comes alongside, and instead of us doing it, He does it. He takes it. Instead of us, He takes it by coming alongside. That's a very fascinating phrase, because here's the difference, and I'll paint the picture, and I think you will see it best. In Luke chapter 5, there's a story there in verse number 4 to verse number 7 or 8 where the disciples had gone out to go fishing and they were having a terrible, terrible time with fishing and they couldn't catch anything. And they'd been out there all night long and, and there's Jesus on the shore and he says, Hey, did you catch anything? And they said, Well, no. He says, Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And of course, these seasoned fishermen are probably saying, Now, we've tried that one, but okay, they throw the nets on the other side of the boat. If you remember the story, the nets got very full suddenly. Matter of fact, so full that the nets were tearing and the boat was starting to lift this way toward the water. It was in trouble. And the the disciples on that boat yells to the shore to the other fishermen out there and says, Come here, quick! Help us, help us! We're going to go down! Look at all these fish! And they all come out. And the text says literally this. It says this in chapter 5, verse 7 of Luke. They signal for their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to work together. Now, here's the interesting thing. This word for help here is missing one piece of the word Paul used. It has the word soon, which is together, and it has the word lambano, which is to take, And the disciples came out with their boats, and together they took the nets. All of them together took the nets, and they pulled them in. So they came to their rescue. They came to their help, right? All of them working together. The word that's not in there is the word instead of. That's the word Paul added. Which is, this is what is fascinating. Because this is the word. When Paul used this word, anti, if you will in between these two other words, it does not suggest that the Holy Spirit comes along and puts his hands on the nets with your hands and helps you pull the fish into the boat. It means he does it instead of you. See the difference? He comes, and essentially, and I'm going to put words into this, and I don't know if they're perfectly accurate, but it's pretty much like this. He comes and he grabs that net and he says, now let go. I'll take care of this. And he pulls it in for you. That's instead of. That's the word instead of. He does it. Now, I admit when I studied this word and I looked at it, I was going against the current with all the commentaries I had on my shelf. And I said, now wait a minute. The the scholars have always defined this as 
pulling the net together with the Holy Spirit, so to speak. Everyone working together, we're working with the Holy Spirit. He's pulling the net, we're pulling the net, and all that. In my pride, I like that translation. But I'm setting my pride aside for a minute. Because I don't want to give myself some sort of credit for what's being done here. I don't want to pat myself on the back and say, Hey, boy, Holy Spirit, aren't you glad I helped you out on that one? I'm not going to give the credit to me. When I see this word, I see, I see him say, I will do this. Trust me. Rest in me. For those who read that verse, the Holy Spirit helps us with our weakness, and they put him in as some sort of a uh, co-pilot. They put him in as some sort of a, an assistant or apprentice or somebody else that just comes along and, and kind of gets him over the hill. I think some people will also find the verse that God helps those who help themselves in their Bible. I can't climb over this word anti in this passage. I cannot climb over and ignore it. When I read it and I see such things like he does this in my stead, I think of another picture. If I were guilty of a crime and were convicted and were sentenced, and somebody stepped in instead of me to take my sentence, would it be strange for me to go to jail with them? Yes, because they took my place. Instead of are the operative words here. And I see that, and I look at it, and I say, well, I just know I've got the weakness. And that's not merely a little strength. I have no strength. What am I going to contribute? What am I going to offer him? I had no strength. None. He helps. What's that mean? He does it instead. For me who has no strength. He does that. I love the phrase. I think, I think it puts me in my place. I'm a firm believer in this statement. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I know nothing means nothing. Don't you? I believe God, the Father, could say that to us. I believe the Holy Spirit is saying it to us right now in this verse. Apart from him, we can do nothing. I am weak. But I'm not afraid to tell you that, folks. I'm not afraid to tell you how destitute it is. Because as scripture says, when I am weak, then he is strong. Then he is strong. Paul used those words so often in his text. He said once when he pleaded with God to take away his weakness. Whatever it was that was a thorn in the flesh. He talked to God about it and God says, my grace is, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. What's that mean? That means it's complete. His power is shown to fill it all up. Not 70%, not 80%. It's all of God, not of us. So Paul says, I'm not afraid to boast in my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Then he goes on to say, finally, folks, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. His might. 
You get the verses? They're all over the place if you look for them. The nature of the Holy Spirit help, by the way, in this text. The Spirit also helps. That's called present tense. That means right now He's helping. In 10 minutes, right now He's helping. In 20 minutes, right now He's helping. In one day, right now He's helping. In one week, right now He's helping. You got an idea? It's a continuous thing. And I like that very much about it because He doesn't help you occasionally. He doesn't step in on occasion. He doesn't only help you on Sundays, folks. He is with you because He dwells in you. He helps you constantly. Because our weakness is constant. His help is constant. I love that. In every step I take, He's there helping, doing, empowering, strengthening. He does that. He is active in the process. He's active in my living. He's active in all the operations for all time. He's active in me. He's active in you. He doesn't take a holiday. He doesn't have to stop to sleep to maintain his strength. Can I go a bit further? Just a pinch. He's not waiting for me to give him permission to do it either. He's already there. He's already doing it. Now, sometimes I don't acknowledge that. Sometimes I don't realize that he's the one operating, but he is. He's helping. He's not the audience, folks. He's not the audience. He's in the arena where you are. He's in the life that you're living. He's working in you, and he will not quit until the process is finished, and you are like Christ standing in glory. That's where he's going. I love the words. These are, not, these are not casual words at all, are they, in this verse? The Spirit, who has been operating all along in every single verse we've talked to, that same Spirit right now also is helping you in your strengthlessness. He's doing it. Now, we've got a lot more to study. That's just the first phrase. But it's powerful, isn't it? I'm going to get over this without saying, hey, I've got to tell you this much. Of course, we don't have enough time for all the rest right now either, do we? Meditate on these words, will you, this week? Spend more time with them. Go back over them again. And then turn it into a prayer of thanksgiving. Talk to the Lord about what He's been doing. How He's been constantly doing this in your life. Praise Him for it. Thank Him for it. Heavenly Father, I'm so glad Your Scripture speaks to us as it really is. You don't somehow come along and just butter us up with words to make us feel better, but You take us to the very point of our need and show us that You're more than what we need. The life that we have is because of You. And the life that we live and we continue to live is because of you. I want you, Lord, to impress this deeply upon our hearts today. Far too often we get occupied in the course of a day and we forget the source and the strength of our life. We carry on as if it's up to us. 
when all you've asked us to do is rest in you, walk by the Spirit. Impress us with these words, Lord, and apply them as you see fit. But most of all, I pray that you encourage the folks in this room today. Encourage them with the fact that even in our weakness, we are secure in the work of God. And we will praise you for that. We rejoice in what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.